ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another amazing episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. How's your evening going, dude? It's going pretty good. Had uh, had dinner waiting for me when I got home. And Mm-mm. listen, some people watch like 1950s sitcoms and they go, ah, that looks like a dream. And it was every now and then I, I get greeted at the door. You know, you know, uh, hey, honey, you know, and get the I get a kiss. Mm. Heal, heal up, you know, there you go. And uh, dinner's ready to go. And, oh, you know, I, I don't I don't ask for that. I don't force you to do that. But man, nothing feel, makes you feel better than that. Oh, like, yeah. Nothing makes you feel like. Okay, some somewhere somewhere in this world, someone respects me. Yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of nice. Yeah, I mean, and you know, we clearly don't respect each other, so you got to get it somewhere. Got to get it somewhere. Got to yeah. get it somewhere. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't need your heel up when I come in. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of heels, we're you know talking about villains today. Uh, just kidding. Oh uh, we're, man. Well, so we'll certainly mention them. Oh doggy we had a we had a game last night that's for sure oh baby yeah Yeah, we we had we have fun i i hope so i really really hope you guys did um well it's a weird thing right because yeah and i've mentioned this on the show before is like you go to a, a gm and you say hi will you please help me uh i have this problem i want to create a character but I, I need someone to essentially torture that character. Can you do that for me? You got it. And that is pretty much the deal that you ask for, right? Like mm. you want to have fun. Like you're like, I want to win sometimes, but really I need a lot of pain. <laughs> I need a ton of pain to occur, right? This and, sounds super unhealthy. <laughs> you know, if I win, I want that to be kind of temporary. I want to learn things from it. I want um, my loved ones to be in danger. <sighs> Really, the you more know, the better. I, really, just the more you can emotionally just rend my soul in half, that'd be really nice. Can you? <laughs> are you available? <laughs> so available. So and they available. sit there and go, "Oh, I don't know. Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> Sounds like a lot." God, you know, it's like torturing people. Like when I was younger, I could do it for hours on end, but. Oh, I'm just, I'm getting on in years and, you know, yeah. you can only pull so many fingernails before you just got to take a little break. You know, it just takes you know, it out of you. You put another guy in the thumb screws and you just ask, what's it even for? What's it even for? You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I've got, I've still got a collection of uh, kneecaps floating in jars. Um, and, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, they just... After about three dozen of them, they all start to kind of look the same. You forget what was special about the first one or two. I know. And like the, I I barely even hear the screams anymore. Barely, barely. But every now and then there's that one scream that breaks through and oh, so good. Well, I had fun. I got to shoot my crossbow, which is check number one. You got a couple good shots, too. Check number two, I got to use my forgery skills, or at least prepare to use them. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty cool. I got to have some subtextual dialogue with an NPC, mm-hmm. which was nice. Or yes. at least I was using subtext. I think he was just telling me straight up what was happening. And I was like, Will you tell your boss subtext? And he's like, sure. Yeah, I'm t- I'll tell him that. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I I was, <laughs> I'm debating between like, do I tell you? Do I not tell you? <laughs> I can tell. Yeah, it's like. I could tell. Well, I mean, I, I take it as the, the overarching bad guy is sending his stooge to make a power play. But this he doesn't the stooge himself is just like yeah he he doesn't this is my job the the big bad doesn't need to make a power play you're not that important <laughs> oh got him hey he you you're just a new visitor he's uh-huh. he's just like hey 
welcome, you know, and uh, should anything uh-huh. happen down the road, should you get on his radar, then, uh-huh. you know, there's more. But right now, oh, okay. you know, he's just. Well, I look forward to getting on his radar by having him sign lots of letters that uh, drain his resources. Mm. So that'll be that'll be fun. Oh, it, I it, it will for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So uh, well. Anyway, so we we had some fun. Uh, this is not a typical Andrew game. So there's that. It is definitely not. It is definitely outside the uh, the comfort zone, which I like. I'm glad that but, it has stayed that way. I yeah. I was worried that it might, as I got a little more comfortable, it might start skewing in that direction. But it's been nice that for this kind of game, and for anyone who maybe is listening for the first time, I'm running uh, Curse of Strahd. Um, and to make it more clear, Andrew is the opposite of Curse of Strahd. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Mm. You know, it, the the Andrew personality that I'm familiar with should run something more akin to Acquisitions Incorporated, not it, Curse of Strahd. Yeah, yeah, I can, you know, I can or, see why you'd say that. Or even just like, like maybe something like Horde of the Dragon Queen, like just like straight up, here's some D&D. Yeah. Right. You know, pretty classic, bordering on, on, on silly at times. Now that I've been running Storm King Thunder, I have to say, it's actually a really goofy game. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, there's actually a lot of comedy in it. There's a lot of potential for for comedy. I mean... Is it in there intentionally? A, some of it is hard written in. Like, when this happens, this happens. Isn't that funny? Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. Um, there is a character who is particularly rotund and large. Mm-hmm. And... When you kill this character, um, they die, and then like a little goblin escapes from under their fat flaps. Oh my god! <laughs> and and it's illustrated how he gasps for air and then stumbles off. Oh my gosh! Is and that, I was like, did Andrew write this? <laughs> is that is that offensive or yeah? Eh, okay, I don't know. Speaking as a overweight person. It was funny. Nah, yeah, it's it's funny. Okay. I think it's funny. Fair enough. I think it's funny, I, but it's also I will say there is some tonal dissonance in Storm King's Thunder. Really? Because there are there are moments that do seem weighty, and there are other moments mm. that are like, "Hey, wouldn't it be funny if?" Yeah. And when you look at the cover, you you see um, King Hecaton, mm-hmm. and he basically looks like God. Yeah. Like the picture in your mind of what God looks like, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're like, oh, this game's about joking around, especially since like the beginning of the book is like, here's all this political intrigue and it's very Shakespearean, almost like like King Lear, you know, mm. and then and then they're like, chapter one. Anyway, here's some dumb <laughs> goblins playing on a windmill that wait, I thought that was <laughs> us. Yeah, no, that's written in. Oh, there were other goblins playing on the windmill too. Yeah. Huh. That was so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Almost makes you want to go so. play on a windmill myself. Almost. <laughs> Almost. Those good times though. Oh man. So yeah, that was I was really worried that I was gonna straight up just murder one of you guys last night. It got close. It was well when it comes to straight up murder, you can leave that to us. Oh man. Yeah. So that's fine. That's fine. Well, you know, <laughs> repercussions will come. It's fine. Oh, good. What, what goes around comes around, but yep. in terms of what goes around, <laughs> what goes around in stories quite often is the hero's journey. That's great. And the the first part of the circle that we call the hero's journey that goes around and around is act one. 
that we <laughs> dealt with last week that wound up with our hero about to cross the threshold into adventure. So they have been introduced to the, we've been introduced to the ordinary world. Things have been established. We've been introduced to the character themselves. We've gotten a look at who they are and what their circumstances are. They get the call to adventure. They say, nah, I don't want to when they're in the refusal stage. And then or someone else says, no, you shouldn't. Ah, uh, that's <laughs> true. They, they yeah. get blocked in some way, either by themselves or by someone else. And then they meet somebody who's going to help them out in the form of the mentor character. Once they've got all those things, they ultimately accept the call. And that is where we start tonight at the beginning of act two the transition yep. between act one and two that is called crossing the threshold. And tonight we're going to hit the, as far as I know, the entirety of act two um, of the yeah. structure yeah. by Joseph Campbell called the hero's journey. Yes. Um, and just to kind of catch everybody up really quick last week, we did part one of this series where we're talking about the 12 stages of the hero's journey, how they fit into the three act structure and how that fits into the character arc, um, that your characters are typically going to, to, uh, to go through. Um, I'm also kind of working on a document that is going to kind of tie all this together in this sort of campaign planner. Hmm. I don't know how useful it's going to be. It's a, it's a bit much at the moment. Like there's a lot going on, mm. but I think with some, some editing and rearranging, it could eventually turn into a thing that maybe I talk about more. We'll see. Um, for now I, I'm assigning it to my class as their final. There you go. Um, so it's a little campaign planner and, uh, it starts you out in the beginning and you will be happy to know, Andrew, that every, section where we have one of these stages of the hero's journey is accompanied by a challenge and a reward. Ooh, and and I think good. that that's important to put in. Um, even things like refusal may mm. have a reward of some kind reward cannot sometimes be, this is when they level up. It can be something like then they get the magic item, they sure. get some loot, they get some gold, but it could also be things like they get a clue. They learn yep. a new piece of information. Role play stuff. Um, yep. They gain the trust of this uh, NPC. They, um, you know, further re the relationship with this other person. I love those um, kinds of rewards because yeah. it, on, on the flip side, if you're talking about like levels or magic items or even just straight up gold to an extent and things like that, um, or like companion NPCs, anything that is pretty quantifiable like that, um, definitely runs the risk of really messing with your, with the balance of your game. If you dump magic items in too big a quantity or give magic items that are too powerful, it can adversely affect your game. If you level your characters up too fast, it can adversely affect the balance of your game because you'll either feel like you can't challenge your characters or, or, um, they'll well, it's also not only the ba balance issue, but it's also the, that didn't feel right issue. Sure. Right. Like, like when, you know, this is a ridiculous example, but if I were to say, okay, go tell the, uh, town burgermeister that, uh, you accept going on his quest after all. Mm -hmm. And then you go and you do that. And he goes, ah, oh, yes, very good. Thank you for doing that. Here's a holy Avenger. Right. Yeah. It, it doesn't. And, it, and you're like, and level up twice. <laughs> what? <laughs> thanks but but also now i don't have any faith in your game right, <laughs> right? it's just because every all the rewards don't seem uh the reward doesn't, doesn't feel earned. doesn't feel like it uh matches the task 
Um, right. like, which is why we, we typically don't level up every session. I mean, depending on how long your session is. I mean, back when we were in college, we could level you up basically every week because every session was six to eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in a, in a two to four hour session, you know, it can feel too abrupt. Yeah. Um, or like you haven't accomplished enough things and, and, right. and maybe you pace it well and, and it does work out, but. Well, you know, these things need to feel earned. And part of what the hero's journey does is it creates these beats where you feel like the arc is progressing. You feel like you've hit a milestone. Mm. And then when those rewards come, there's something there's a certain rightness about it. Yep. Something about it feels legitimate and earned. Yep. Yeah. And that's and that's really good. And um, I think what's also worth noting is like in, in a game like curse of Strahd, um, it uses a milestone based leveling system that is pretty specific. Like when you look at the, uh, the book itself, it's like these such and such, uh, points in the story are the milestones at which we advise you give a level. Um, so it also makes you kind of think, okay, what can I give as a reward that isn't leveling up? Like it's okay to have a character or rather your party remain at a given level for a long stretch because there are degrees of power you can have within that. Your character's capabilities are not just what they get when they level up. You also have different items. You have interpersonal connections. And then on top of that, once you have a level, there ought to be a fair amount of time where you can really dig into your character at the level they're at and use what you've got instead of feeling almost this need to have this constant flow of new abilities instead of playing with the toys you have instead of, I always need a new toy. Right. Well, and, and let's face it that, you know, D and D is not a video game. It, you, you just don't accomplish things at the same pace. Right. Right. When we're watching a, a film, which these story structures follow, you know, we, we get the, we go from beginning to end within an hour and a half typically. Mm-hmm. Right. What do you get done in an hour and a half in D and D? Uh, some deliberation, some overly long dialogue and a lot of, a lot of description. We had a fight and, last night that probably lasted three hours. Yeah. A, a, a three hour fight. Can, can you imagine a movie trying to pull off a three hour fight? Even Endgame doesn't try to do that. Gilligan and their crew <laughs> got to their island in three hours. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, part of that is us maybe needing to do better, but I mean, it's also sure. a, the medium itself, right. you know, just being a, a slower medium, but we do, we do have this influence where we come in and go, well, shouldn't I have leveled up four times? <laughs> Like, no, no, no. Um, Okay, let's get back on track. So, yeah, but just to kind of segue, the hero's journey provides great beats to give your players rewards, but those rewards can take lots of different forms. Sure. Um, Okay, so we're entering the special world. We've left the the ordinary world. We've accepted to go on the quest and to find the thing that's going to make our village better, right? And when I say village, I mean our, our world, our psyche, our, our life, whatever that is. Okay. Or village. We're going to use terms here that have general meanings. Okay. And some films do these things on the nose. Mm. Right. So I do also want to point out where in, in terms of gameplay, because we are talking about a different medium, we're not writing a screenplay. Right. You know, how, how that fits in well. So act two is going to be huge for you. As a GM, it's really going to kind of fill in the meat and potatoes yep. of, of what happens. Okay. Also, I want to point this out. Reaching the 12th stage does not necessarily mean your campaign is over. Mm. It could mean the end of a really important storyline, but like any epic, often there's a trilogy 
or more. Right. And there's always newer heights, newer problems to overcome. Even though you've overcome one lie and gone through a completed character arc, that doesn't mean there's not another arc. Right. That doesn't mean there isn't more to learn. Obviously, sequels exist. Yep. So, so you could have these, you, you could have these, um, almost like mini heroes journeys within a major one or something to that. You know, you could nest things. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in the first film with, uh, Iron Man, he's got to essentially learn to care about other people and to, you know, not be a big dumb jerk all the time mm. and, and selfish. Right. The second film is really about him letting others into his life mm. and, and really kind of getting into that why and sort of repairing his fractured past with his father. The third film is really about him being the hero as opposed to the suit being the hero mm. or his connection with the suits. Also, there's some stuff about him dealing with PTSD from Avengers. Right. You know, uh, it's not my favorite film, but in every film, he takes something away, he learns something. Right. Right. And we can point to all these different heroes and they do similar things. Okay. Let's get an act to them. So the first thing we do is we, um, cross the first threshold. Okay. And that is the, the big plot point. This is going to be our first, um, major event that happens. So we are leaving the village we know mm -hmm. and entering the dark forest of mystery, right? The special world. Yep. Whatever form that takes. So this is now unfamiliar to us. Uh, this is not the time to lay down a bunch of exposition on your players. <laughs> right. This is a time to illustrate what's happening around them and what they see and allow them to kind of put two and two together or ask their own questions. Mm. But do not overly indulge their questions. Mm. Right. Allow them to ask, but answer briefly. Um, do not um, provide a uh, eight page history as to uh, everything that's happening. I know you want to. <laughs> I know you're tempted, but hold back. Mm -hmm. Okay. Much like we talked about before when Nate was on the show. Yeah, that's right. Right. You know, Kiss her first. Take, take right? your time. Take your time. So exposition needs to be laid out like bread comes to someone who's starving. Mm -hmm. Right. Little by little. Yep. So we introduce you to this world. It should feel strange. We shouldn't know everything about it. Mm. The discovery and the exploration is part of the fun. Yeah. Well, and this is also a, it's a good opportunity for, for an action scene or something big and dramatic. It's, it's the, it's the transition from, from the old to the new. So that, that transition can be a big deal, can be, um, can be a little bit tumultuous. Um, I know when, um, when I was, doing a uh an extremely massive amount of research before our episode today um one of the one of the things that i read as an example for this was in uh the tale of beowulf uh this step was when he sails for the new world and you could imagine yes what it feels like to you can just easily picture the scene of a Viking with his buddies getting on a ship with all their gear. And it's not this big ship. It's one of these like smaller biking boats and they're literally going out on the open ocean. It's freaking terrifying. You imagine these huge thrashing waves storms all this stuff you can picture the music in the background and it can be this incredibly epic moment and it can it's a great opportunity for a set piece scene yeah illustrate yeah right i wouldn't i would not say talking here is bad careful on exposition which is the explanation of things mm -hmm. but this is a good opportunity to show as opposed to tell oh yeah right Talk about this, those sensory elements, like how does it smell or look or sound, right? If you have music, play, you know, bring it up, 
right? Mm-hmm. Let's get some, some amp it up. Very, you know, amped up either like very scary music. If it's scary or very, you know, epic sounding, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's kind of funny. Like when you, when you play world of Warcraft, right? Mm-hmm. If they never start you in the capital city. Right. You notice that? Yeah. That you always start in Podunksville. Yeah. Right? Like you're either in like, welcome to the, I forget what it is for the orcs, but it's basically like a bunch of like rock and dirt. Mm-hmm. And they're like, go kill these imps. And then maybe we'll talk to you in the Alliance side. It's you're, you're in, I think it's, uh, oh my gosh. I forget what it's called, but it's like basically happy meadow land. Yeah. It's like West, it, <laughs> Westfall. No, well, not Westfall. Westfall you Westfall's do go close. to eventually. Yeah. Yeah. It's close. It's, but it's something that's kind of peaceful sounding. I forget, yeah. but yeah, it's going to, it's going to kill you all night. Right. Oh my but God. Anyway, after you do the first few quests, the really that moment where you cross the threshold into like the character arc. Or at least how it's supposed to feel is that moment you enter Stormwind. Oh, yeah. And you remember the when music. that music hits you? Same thing for the orcs when you enter uh, Orgrimmar. Orgrimmar. Yep. Right. You know, you hear those like thundering drums, you know, beating and and uh, all the life and tumults going on. You're finally seeing a ton of other players. Mm-hmm. Right. It really has this big hit moment where you have... You feel like you've crossed into that new world. Yeah, it really, it definitely sends that message where you feel like things have ratcheted up a notch. Many games that you play start you out on some sort of mission away from home. Home is often referred to, and then sometimes you go there later. Mm-hmm. And then that, you know, and that is still part of Act One technically, but there, it's the same kind of feel. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So. Often when we cross the, the first threshold, we also meet the threshold guardian. And this is something that you kind of alluded to. Mm -hmm. You say this is a good time for an encounter. By the way, you could put an encounter, depending on what you mean by encounter at every single stage. Oh, sure. Right. And so, you know, it's easy to imagine you enter a town for the first time and then someone goes, you ain't from around here. Well, Mm -hmm. we have a special toll for newcomers like you. Mm hmm. You know, or in Luke Skywalker's face, he doesn't like you. Mm -hmm. I don't like you either. Yeah, they, you know, there's some they run into some speed bump as they're entering. Right. Or maybe something about it's unexpected. Like, hey, I expected a bunch of people here. Where are they? Giant sandworm pops out. Right. Um, Oh, crap. You know, and and maybe we're off to the races right away. But, you know, it's D&D. Right. So if we're, if we're doing D and D or another role playing game that has a heavy sort of uh, combat presence, mm-hmm. you know, this is, yeah, throw, throw an encounter right here. Yeah. So why not? Just so um, long okay. as the encounter, the encounter should, it should be, it should be a bit of a message. It should be indicative of things that the players can expect within the story to come. Um, I mean, you, yeah, you see a moose bush, right? Right. Like you, uh, you don't want it to that feel taste. like, Oh, the encounter is just a random encounter. It's like, okay, this is like a, a microscopic version of, um, you know, almost like a right. like a thesis statement or something for the yes, for the game. A thesis statement's a good way to put it. Like, uh, I can remember the old Mortal Kombat film, which I guess is in my head because they're doing a new one. Mm-hmm. But the the first old one, uh, Shang Tsung shows up after everyone's arrived at the tournament, and he says, "And now a, a taste of things to come," or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and then there's the fight between Scorpion and Sub Zero, and someone dies and then everyone's like oh crap and then they're like anyway have a good night (laughs) yeah it's like well now we know exactly what we're in for you know the and yes and it's also a good time to make the stakes clear kill one of your player characters <laughs> i mean trying to say it with a straight face and i couldn't i couldn't do it but actually but 
That's not the worst idea. <laughs> oh, man. You just. If you do want to talk about when's it appropriate to kill a player character, like where it feels good in a story, like some of these beats are good times to do it. The refusal might be a good time, right? Yep. Hey, one of my guys just died. Maybe I'm not super into this now. Um, or, but yeah, crossing the that first threshold that's causing the refusal to happen. Maybe they get thrown off a bridge and that's how you're able to go because you don't have to deal with that person anymore. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Odysseus loses people at every stage in his journey, right? Oh, yeah. Like journeys are deadly, right? And, and this can also be a good way to. <sighs> And I'm a hypocrite, but this can be a good way to um, exit characters that are inappropriate for your story. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes you really just you, you try to work with somebody and maybe it just doesn't translate well in that first session. Mm. And I, I'm not say, saying necessarily gun for that character, but maybe just let the dice fall. Yeah, you can. And and let that happen because, you know, they do need that that threat that this is real. Yeah. But at the same time, when a player dies, they don't want to like feel cheated or like, you know, like it didn't matter. Yeah. You know, some comfort when your character dies is that it maybe spurred someone else on to do something. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on to the next stage. Okay. So the next stage, this is the, the fun part, I would say. Like this is the do whatever you want for a while phase. Oh, yeah. It, this um this is tests allies and enemies so most stuff how many tests and allies and enemies should you have how many you want i don't know <laughs> go crazy right yep. you know this can be a whole bunch of scenes um after you've had a few scenes you might just go anyway then we have a montage mm-hmm. and then we move on right yep um but this is a good place to meet you know, the craftsman that you're going to use, the shopkeeper you're going to buy from, the quest giver who's going to be there most of the time. Let's meet the arch enemy. Let's have the villain show up a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Maybe affect people that we can care about. Right. This can also help build stakes. Yep. For the rest of the story. I, you know, I also think that this particular step is probably if you're going to do you know, like we were talking about earlier, like the the mini hero's journey arcs or other, you know, smaller self-contained arcs will probably mm. occur within this phase. You know, yeah, I mean, let's say you meet the the blacksmith NPC. He's got a problem. Right. Um, But it's also kind of his hang up. You you do his little quest for him. It helps him to get over his problem. Yep. Um, actually, that happens straight up in Dragon Age Origins. Um, there you go. You, you go into, I forget, I th Redcliffe, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And you have to save it from the undead. You need help from the blacksmith in order to save the undead. He's an alcoholic or something. He's drunk because he's like, sad that he's pretty sure he's lost his daughter you rescue the daughter now he'll make your crap yep or you can just convince him or bully him into it there's a lot of paths mm -hmm. um but he does kind of go through a little mini arc yeah that's a really good observation cool um yeah so um but i want to put emphasis on the word test here mm. because the hero's journey in many ways is like a class mm. you are teaching your players a lesson right or rather you are giving them a course. Hmm. And so every test is a, is a lesson leading to a midterm and then a final exam. Hmm. That midterm is the ordeal. The final exam occurs in the resurrection phase. Gotcha. Yes. So all of these tests need to, in some way help. Well, they don't need to, I mean, do what you want, but mm -hmm. they can, and are probably best used when illustrating what it's kind of all about. Right. Well, and it, so, it helps thinking about it like that kind of helps tie things together too. where if you think about what the, you know, what the ultimate challenge is going to be that, that also lets you look at that as a point of reference and go, okay, what, what tools and what, you know, I don't mean this in this in the sense of 
the fifth edition uh, term of proficiency, but what general proficiencies or what uh, skills, traits, what have you, are going to be required to overcome the ultimate challenge. So then you yes. break it down yes. into those individual things and go, okay, we're going to mm-hmm. learn th- thing one. Now we're going to learn thing two. We're going to learn thing three. And between those, you have a test for each of those things. And then in your midterm example, you go, okay, now we're going to have a challenge where thing one, two, and three all come into play in some fashion and and so on. Uh, this is also a great place to have a dungeon, right? Mm. Because we we might be in a dungeon for several sessions. Right. And and if it's that's the case, then there's a lot of enemies we can meet. There's a lot of allies we can meet. There's a lot of tests we can go through. Oh, yeah. But it should it should all be reminiscent of well, not reminiscent, but it should all build up to this to that midterm exam that is reminiscent of everything else that you've done. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, all the tools you've collected help you defeat that or overcome that challenge or at least participate in a way that's meaningful, which is also, um, I think, why oftentimes I don't want to say always I hate generalities like that, but um, it can often be why random encounters can feel unsatisfying because there's often not that sort of meat behind them. It has this sort of filler quality where it's like, okay, we're just fighting stuff to fight stuff. Um, which sometimes like random encounters are nice for filling out the world, making things feel alive. Like there are living things that come across you and you have to deal with it. But, if they happen constantly or, you know, if you have that JRPG feel where it's like, oh, I'm just walking along and then, okay, it's combat mode again. And we're fighting just some random thing again. You know, you want, I will say that storm Kings does a really good job of creating random encounters. Like it has full like tables written out for you, but every encounter is a good illustration nice. of what's going on. Um, and that's great. With one or two exceptions. Um, but for the most part, they kind of illustrate what's happening in the world around you. Um, well, and that's, you know, that's a, that, and that's pretty great. That's a good indicator of, um, or not indicator, but a good example of something that if you are the kind of GM who is inclined to kind of get your hands a little dirty in terms of uh, drumming up your own kind kind of stuff, you could look at your own campaign, even if it doesn't have random encounter tables like this. That might be something that you could think of ahead of time. What are, uh, you know, what's 10, 15, 20, whatever uh tape or encounters that feel like they illustrate what this campaign's about or an aspect of what this campaign's about yeah i mean a lot of your campaign could be walking from point a to point b but walking there is is um very arduous right lord and of the rings. it takes a long time yeah lord of the rings is essentially walk there and do the thing yep. Um, but that's easier said than done. Correct. So where, where you might get bogged down and maybe not, you know, depending on how long your sessions are and, and how fast your, your group is, you know, is having a bunch of pieces in, you know, set throughout and then they have to travel over and over and over again mm-hmm. between those areas. And that's one place where I think we get bad, um, lessons from video games. Yeah. Cause usually when we travel from one hold in Skyrim to the next, there's like, 20 fights that happen. Yeah. Right. And we have to travel between the holds a lot. Yeah. Right. But a fight with some wolves in Skyrim takes a minute. Yep. And fighting wolves in D and D takes an hour. Right. Right. <laughs> well, and so we got to be careful. I think, I think on the, on the flip side, video games can also 
they, well, yeah, let me say this real quick, okay. you know, about that in, in, in their defense is that it's not just like, what is the meaning of these encounters, but also what do they teach me skill wise, which I think you kind of said before, right? Like, you know, okay, my players need to be able to fight things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's have an encounter where they learn how to fight things. Right. Maybe a fight a specific kind of enemy because they're going to see this later. Right. Right. Maybe your big bad is a beholder. So let's fight some spectators leading up to it. Mm-hmm. So we kind of get the whole eye stock thing. Right. Right. But also they're going to need to learn uh, that not all is as it seems. Right. Because this beholder is going to use illusions. Right. So let's have another encounter where they have to overcome an illusion trap. Right. Right. Um, let's have another encounter where they need to talk to somebody and convince them that what they did was wrong, because that's actually going to be something that you can do with this beholder. Right. Right. I, you know, and then, then it does have that sort of, Oh, you prepared me for this. And what's nice is then you can actually make it really hard yeah, (laughs) without making it feel like you're just punishing the player. Right. I, I think the, the other direction I go on this is, especially with a lot of modern video games, fast travel is now a thing which can lead to players potentially having this, um, this desire for, for things to go almost too fast and to, to not allow things to breathe and to feel like you literally have to go bam, 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 bam between these major things instead of going like, look, you know, traveling from this city you're in to this other place you need to go out in the wilderness is like a two week journey. And it is through places that are difficult to go through. Like if it really is easy peasy and you wouldn't run into any obstacles at all and whatever, fine, fast forward it. But I think there's well, I think when we're talking about video games, we're also talking about challenge I've seen before, right? Sure. I, I'm just saying as, there, this is a place where, um, it's, it's worthwhile to make, to think about how you view travel in your game and how to make that potentially exciting and, um, not yeah, to gloss I, over. I know it. I've, yeah. And I know I've frustrated players by being tight about travel in the beginning because it matters in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then, having that not matter as much in later chapters because now I don't care about it. And then they're like, <laughs> wait, you thrones. established before. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's a big one, actually. Yeah, I mean, where getting from point A to point B was something that might take a season and a half. And then all of a sudden people are teleporting around Dragons in the last two seasons. Fast. Dragons be fast, though. They do. Um and also dragons can dodge uh, uh, ship ballistas until they can't, but then they can again. I don't know. This is, this is the kind of thing that frustrates players, right? When you, when you give them, I, I mean, it was like, it's like I'm giving you a class and I'm teaching you about math and then the final exams about English, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> why, why did you waste my time with all those things? And then you're just like, well, you just don't get it. <laughs> anyway that's pretty lame so yeah so test allies and enemies okay once we have learned the lessons that we need to learn and we've gathered the friends and enemies and resources that we need it is time to reflect on this don't gather your enemies prepare well actually it's a very good (laughs) idea strategically to gather your enemies in one place oh well sure or to divide them as long as you need Right. If you know where your enemy is, that's really good for you. That's true. But yes, once you've essentially met them, and I guess I'll just mention that briefly, this is a good place, test allies and enemies to develop little arch enemies for Mm. each of your party members to have. And I think that that's very useful, right? Like every lieutenant or sub boss or recurring goblin that just happens to run away every time Mm -hmm. could particularly uh, vex one of your players. Sure. And that can be very satisfying when they finally get their come up and there you go. Um, but it's time to suit up. It's time to have the, the workout montage. It's time to go to town and spend all your cash Ooh, uh, and finally buy that magic item yeah. that you wanted. 
because we're doing the approach to the inmost cave. All right. So the approach to the inmost cave is also burnout uh, night where uh, you stay up all night and study for the midterm. Mm, gotcha. right? This is where Batman gets his um, upgraded suit and he has bat nipples, right? Don't don't do that. But don't do that. Don't do, don't, don't do that. Bad plan. Um, but it is a a beat that we all remember. It's probably the most memorable thing about those God. movies. Burned into my that and all the psyche. Mr. Freeze puns. Um, Don't so forget to winterize your pipes. This uh, is also a good opportunity for the mentor, if he's still alive, because mentors don't typically live, um, to give some last minute advice. Maybe encourage the hero. Tell them, you know, wow, I'm sure proud of you. You've come a long way. Hey, or, don't die like me. Uh, right something like that <laughs> don't die like me ah that's what i he was missing he died there it is very stupid <laughs> what an idiot um, what an idiot don't die don't i got it now that 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 so would have been a setback <laughs> that would have been so yeah good good time uh to make sure that um they've got some items uh maybe during the test phase um your player killed a dragon and then he took the dragon uh, armor uh, pieces in order to make armor. And then, and then right? he had to, and then he told him that it was going to be built and then he'd get to wear it. The, the armor, the armor's in the mail, bro. The armor's. Uh, so then in the approach phase, then you finally get the <laughs> armor, which in a way is, is still what happened. <laughs> Just not the way I expected. <laughs> oh man. You, he wanted it. Nothing but so love. Bad. He bought me a book today, so I shouldn't complain. Oh, but, what, um, what book? <laughs> uh, Strongholds and oh, um, the Matt that's Coville Coville's book. book. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Strongholds and the, yeah. strongholds and followers. The people that help you build strongholds. Strongholds and followers, <laughs> I think. It's followers. It's yeah. The, uh, it's the. It's got pretty art. It's the other spectacular settlements. Yeah, basically. Oh. But I need pricing. I need pricing. All right. Uh, hey. Yeah. If I, I, <laughs> I'm the kind of person that wants the extra crunchy uh, game system to add on to my game that I'm already familiar there with. You go. So it's it's a it's right up my alley. Hey, so thank you for. If that. I put pricing into it's into my- settlements, that book would have been like a thousand pages. So <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm still waiting for the problem. (laughs) The problem would be the binding. You get it with my back carrying it around. Yes. (laughs) Yes. As someone with back problems, I'm not going to make something that will give someone else back problems. That would be terrible. So the, the approach to the inmost cave is, you know, essentially the, the final preparations, the last minute advice. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is a very good time to make sure your players have a long rest. <laughs> yeah. Because they're about to spend all of their hit points, all of their spell slots, all of their bardic inspirations, all their sorcery points. It's all going bye-bye. Yeah. It's because the phase that comes right after is the ordeal. Mm. So is and the ordeal so is, is the ordeal also the inmost cave? Like essentially it's, one in the same. Well, it's in the cave. Oh, okay. Okay. It's, I, I get you. It's in the cave, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we we're flying up to the death star. Yep. Right. And we're about to go inside the death star, you know, Oh, we got hit with the tractor beam right now. We're now we're, we've lost the element of surprise. What do we do? Right. That's all part of that approach phase, but now we have to go through the ordeal of getting through the death. Star. Right. Okay. Right. The ordeal is often what we think the quest is, what we're told it is. Um, the ordeal can be a mini victory, but it often feels hollow. Mm. It can also be when you get defeated, right? This is a good place like to have the party get captured. I w- would probably recommend not forcing a capture, but you know, if the dice fall, it, it wouldn't feel like a cop out to have it here. Well, if it's to have them all wake up and be captured, if it's one of your games, it doesn't matter. People <laughs> will be captured whether you force People it or not. People will be captured. Um, except for Spike. True. Spike, Spike will never, unless he wants to be captured, just ask. Yes. Him. He'll say it. <laughs> yes. 
Um, so sometimes when you're watching a film, this happens basically at the, at the midpoint, typically mm-hmm. like almost exactly half in the runtime. You, you see this moment happen. Yeah. And it's a very high energy, high stakes kind of moment, but we're actually not at the climax. Yeah. This is a moment that we actually call the crisis. Mm. And it's, and it's a little bit different in this way. Despite all of our preparations, we haven't learned exactly what we need in order to earn that elixir that we're ultimately striving for. This is a, this is a problem that I often, uh, have or run into. Usually when I'm watching movies or even TV shows now do this because, you know, lucky us, TV has gotten so incredible where, um, you know, TV and movies are now pretty darn comparable, um, where you can, you can, it almost helps you predict what's going to happen or what the real outcome of the situation is supposed to be just by looking at the runtime. You're like, okay, there's an hour and a half left in the movie. And this situation is set up as if like, if they're successful, everything is done. So of course it's going to fail. So you know, it's not going to be, so you know, something's going to go bad. Which, you know, this is one of those points where I think the, you know, even though we're talking about movies and TV and stuff, but where that something akin to a metagame mentality where you're thinking outside the context uh, or rather you're thinking outside of the medium itself and going, okay, these structural clues are telling me like this can't possibly be it. Right. So maybe you defeat the enemy who you thought was the enemy, but it turns out they've got, they're working for something. Right. Right. Often uh, a betrayal happens here. Um, Like if you have a twist villain, maybe like sometimes the mentor is the villain. Mm -hmm. Um, You go, you get the relic and then they go, all right, now hand me the relic. And then you're like, here you go. And they're like, <laughs> right. Aladdin. And then having Jafar right, Aladdin does this. hand over the lamp. <laughs> but then Abu turns out that he snatched it, but still. Right. Yeah. But th- this, there can be a big, this is where the big twist betrayal happens, uh, which happens too often, honestly. But, um, yeah, that's one way to do it. Um, this is a time where the heroes are, could be tempted with a premature victory, mm-hmm. right? Maybe there is no big betrayal. Maybe they do get the relic, but they've been taught along the way. They've received enough exposition to know that there's actually a greater threat. There's a broader issue here. And maybe mm-hmm. now they actually feel like they take some responsibility here. Right. So you're, you're given this moral test to your players to say, well, do you go home and count your coins? Yeah. Cause you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and then maybe they go, well, except for now we know that there's this whole other problem. Yeah, that is that is interesting. Or, I mean, you could also um, take that a slightly different way and and say, you know, if you solve the problem, depending on how you want to solve the problem, like you could basically take the easy route and deal with the situation using method A, which technically gets the job done and it's serviceable, but maybe it's not ideal. Maybe it leaves some loose ends or things are a little messy or something like that. But doing the thing right or doing the thing, you know, more ideally will take more effort. It'll take more time, something like that. So like, are they it? achieved a higher calling now right it's the opportunity for the for the main characters to have an out yeah right yeah it is exactly so they could have an out so they could be objectively defeated they could realize there's a bigger villain they could be betrayed there's a lot of ways to handle this right Um, so but for whatever reason they've overcome a big issue or at least faced it you know their midterm exam but we're not done yet. Mm-hmm. But there is a consolation prize to this. Mm. 
which is uh, they receive a sword, right? So in the next phase, this is called seizing the sword. Sometimes this is literally you get a sword. Heck Sometimes yeah. this is you get a different kind of item. You get a brand new suit. Mm. You get a um, a burned up, broken broomstick from the Wicked Witch you just killed. Right. Right. Because the Wicked Witch is not really the final challenge. Right. Right. Of Wizard of, of Oz. It's called Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Right. That That's true. So we, we, we've got one more big problem to solve. Mm-hmm. So it's... Um, it's not over yet. Yeah. And, but we need some kind of tool that's going to help us. So a lot of times in the superhero origin story, we don't see the like final suit until we seize the sword. Yeah. Yeah. You have them in like the, uh, the prototype suit and all the experimental stuff. And then there's that, that big kind of reveal moment where they take like five minutes showing the armor, just like, gearing up and stuff and it's awesome it's, it's just the ilm demo Heck yeah <laughs> man it's so good <laughs> they like threw into the film yeah um yeah but it's still awesome oh, it's right? so good. And, it, and it can feel really cool yeah the sword might also be um solving the emotional crisis you had with this other character right right like hey me and this guy i thought he was my enemy the whole time but it turns out we have a mutual enemy and maybe he could even be my friend yeah you basically wind up in a, in a better position. You, something has noticeably improved. You've gained some advantage, whether it's, whether it's material, whether it's emotional. There's, uh, your, the main character or characters have obtained some benefit or growth. So this is huge in drag in Dragon Age Origin. You know, you're you're dealing with two big problems. You're dealing with the Dark Spawn, and you're also dealing with Terran Logain, who betrayed you at the beginning of the right. game. I hate and that. And the ordeal is the lands meet. The moment where you try to overthrow Logain's power or ultimately join him, possibly. Mm. Uh, there are so many options at this scene, which is why I love it. There's so many different ways for this to go. Mm. Um including executing him, having him join your team or, you know, sending him to prison, exiling him, sending him to the gray wardens. Like there is a lot of possibilities here. Uh, um, there's also, um, does Alistair become the king? Does Honora become the queen? Do you kind of become the king? Mm. Right? Like does Alistair become the king and you're his consort? Like there's a lot of possibilities there. Who's also on your army? We have to answer that question. Um, you know, but the, the game's not over yet. We have a big dark spawn problem. Hmm. And so, um, then we'll get to the rest of it, but the sword that is seized in that way are, well, there's a couple of swords, right? First of all, Denerim's a big shop, essentially. So we can get all kinds of stuff. Right. Second of all, you know, either Logan drops gear or we get him on our team. Right. <laughs> which is, our sword is literally Logain. There you go. Or our sword is now control of all of the armies of Denerim. So pretty good. And a crown for Alistair or you or someone, you know. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of great stuff. Really fantastic example of a of a great ordeal, as well as a great seizing the sword moment. Very cool. So once we have the sword, we got to use it. Oh, of course. You know. And that is going to lead us to the road back, which is going to be that final plot point as we enter into act three. Very good. So, so we'll, we'll leave that for, for next time, the road back. Mm. So again, just quick review. We have crossing the first threshold, tests, allies and enemies approaching the inmost cave, the ordeal, and then seizing the sword. Very good. That was, that's, it's very useful. And what's neat about all this too is that I think even for any of us who haven't really thought about story structure or these steps, um, it's really cool how once they're laid out, you really can look at them and find ways that they really do truthfully 
apply to so many different stories out there that we run into. Um, well, and I would argue they, they apply to every single one, right? Right. Like every now and then you might find the indie film that tries not to do it. Uh, that's why you've never heard of it because nobody cares because nobody relates to it. Mm. Right. So it's, it's this thing where, yeah, it seems formulaic. Yes. Hollywood repeats its steps too many times because it's selling products and that can feel very hollow and empty, but there is also this, there is a spiritualism to this that's very real to the human condition. Mm-hmm. Like, why does it sell so well? Because we are all looking for that, that certain feel. Right. And we get it from this kind of story. So I would recommend as a, as an exercise to, you know, watch a film, read a book, watch a play, whatever, and Try to take little notes and just say, okay, what, what's, what did stage one happen? When stage two happen mm. and recognize it and, and find the clever ways in which they do it. Yeah. Yeah. It so cool. And by the way, sometimes they go out of order. Right. I, it, it's, that's had me, uh, I've thought about that a couple times where, uh, I've wondered if like, oh, is this, this moment, seems like it would fit this thing but this thing hasn't happened yet so is it this thing or not but the fact that they can be out of order um makes a lot of sense it's more that these are these are all elements that have a place within a story in general um so they can also be repeated, you yep. know, um, Han Solo essentially repeats the refusal phase a couple of times. Yeah, it's definitely his At thing. first he's, they're like, hey, will you come on this quest? He's like, I will, but not for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, fine, great. And then he goes on the quest and they're like, all right, you're going to help us with the last piece? No, I did the ordeal. I'm done. Give me my money. Yep. And then... You're like, okay, Han, here you go. So essentially he has two refusal phases Mm -hmm. and, and then he shows up at the end and, and does the, does the dumb thing. Darn right, (laughs) baby. (laughs) Oh man. That's, he's like, I just listened to inspiration point and I had to come back. That's right. That's (laughs) right. You bet he did. And, uh, speaking of dumb things, I'm going to be visiting Arizona next week. So, no, I'm just kidding. Love to Arizona. Um, so next week we are going to be off because I will be out of town. Um, and part of that will actually be me and Adam getting to hang out. So I'm excited for that. And I know he is too. Um, so the following week we will do part three of this three part series and uh, wrap up the hero's journey and see how all this concludes. So this was a lot of fun. Adam, thank you for walking us through uh, act two of this. This was very, very cool. Yeah, just, you know, use this kind of structure, guys, to, you know, help know what beats to put in your story and know where to throw your encounters and to just have it feel overall a little bit more meaningful, right? So... Very good. Well, thank you everyone for hanging out with us in particular. As always, we want to say thank you to our loyal patrons, Spike and Logan. We love you guys. You are the best. And if you would like to get your name on the show, like those two gentlemen, head on over to patreon.com slash inspiration point and support us at the $5 level. And uh, if you do so, you'll get that shout out as well as input on other things that we do. And you'll also get to hang out with us in our discord channel. And we have some pretty great little chats going on there most of the time. Uh, and if you're feeling super inspired or just want to hang out with me and Adam, uh, back us at the hundred dollar tier and Adam will run a custom campaign for you and anyone else who backs at that tier. Also, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you found us. And if this is the first time uh, that you're listening to the show, be sure to download and check out all our other episodes. 
including uh, part one to uh, this little series that we're doing here. You should be able to find us on most major podcast platforms wherever you syndicate your podcasts like iTunes and Spotify. And if you listen via iTunes or any uh, platforms that allow for reviews, please give us a five-star review and also write us a review. Tell us what you think. We want to read it. We want to hear what you think of the show. You can find our website at inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. And we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirationpointpodcast. And we're also on Twitter at IPRPGcast. So I hope that you all cross a threshold in your planning efforts and story writing. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Bye. Bye.